know right now. In the wilderness, 
where thou was thou hast seen how did the Lord thy God bear thee up as a man doth bear his son in all day in all the way uh, you went until you came into this place yet in this thing you did not believe the Lord your God who went in the way before you to search you out of place to pitch you tents in in fire by night to show you uh, by what way you should go and in a cloud by day and the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth and swear, saying, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land which I swear unto give unto your fathers. Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it, and to him will I give the land which he hath trodden upon, and to his children, because he hath wholly followed the Lord. As the Lord was angry with me for your sakes, saying, Thou also shalt not go in thither. But Joshua, the son of Nun, which standeth before thee, he shall go in thither, encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Moreover, your little ones, which ye, shall, which ye said <clears throat> should be a prey, and your children, which in that day had no knowledge between good and evil, they shall go in thither, and unto them will I give it, and they shall possess it, possess the land. Okay? So I'm going to stop there, and I know the further I read, the worse it gets, the harder it is for me to see and everything, but can't hear me. Okay? All right, I had a terrible echo, so I turned it off. But, uh, all right. Now, can you hear me now? <laughs> all right, sorry about that. Um, but here's the, here's the thought, and I want you to take this thought and kind of kind of work with it. Have you ever been compelled to do something? You felt like uh, that you were, the Lord was really calling you to do this, but yet you felt inadequate. You felt like, you know, God can't be calling me to do this because I, I don't have the skill set. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the ability. Um, I, I'll share with you some things. Uh, some years ago, someone asked me about uh, coming somewhere to preach a trial sermon, and I said, listen, I'll be glad to come and preach for you sometime, but I'm not coming to preach and try a sermon because I know I'm not qualified to pastor that big of a church. So, and it was, and we were going to details about where it was or anything else, but it was, you know, a rather large church and so forth. And I said, you know, I'll preach, but but I, I'm, I'm not qualified for that. But what qualifies us for, for what God calls us to do? He does. He does. You're exactly right. He does. So sometimes, and we, uh, and that's just one example, and I, you know, I don't go into your lives and start pulling that example, because I don't know all the examples, but all of us have times that we feel inadequate. We feel like, uh, like I said, our skill set's not enough, we feel like my knowledge isn't good enough, I don't have a college degree, I don't have a doctor's degree, I don't have, you know, the training in that, I don't have this, so on and so forth, et cetera, et cetera. Well, and sometimes we just make excuses, but sometimes those are legitimate feelings, and, and we're... And everything we're saying, you know, it's true. Now, with the situation with that, that church I was talking about, uh, if they were looking for somebody with a doctor's degree, it didn't happen. If they are looking for somebody with a college degree, it didn't happen. Now, if you want to school the hard knocks, I'm in there, okay? I've had a few of those. But that has absolutely nothing to do with doing what God calls you to do. Now, could I have, have pastored that church? Yes, if that's what God wanted me to do. I definitely could have because... It's not me, it's him. And that's what we tend to forget sometimes. So, but we have those feelings, we feel like our knowledge, our ability, we, we can't accomplish the task, we can't do what he wants us to do. Uh, feelings of inadequacy, they, they run rampant sometimes in us. Well, as human beings, 
we are going to have those kind of feelings from time to time. I believe every single one of us at some time or another, in some situation or another, either has had or will have feelings of inadequacy. And in some cases, we may have had them, and we may have them again, because it may be something different God calls us to do. I don't mind telling you, the first trip we ever made to Ecuador, I was scared to death because, you know, I had been to, to Russia and the Soviet Union, but we didn't do door-to-door -door and, and uh, street ministry and so forth. We kind of did, but we did everything as a group. And so when we went to Ecuador, we do door-to-door, we break up in groups, and each group is, you know, going down the street, knocking on doors and talking to people we meet and all kind of different things. And, and I'm like, you know, it's a whole lot different. I'll just tell you this, it's a whole lot different doing that than it is standing right here and preaching a sermon. It's a lot different. I was concerned about standing in the pulpit there and preaching because I speak English, they speak Spanish, and I, I, I can't speak Spanish, they couldn't speak English, but we had excellent translators. Excellent translators. And those translators, and, and occasionally, and this happened with me, I think, more than with the other preachers sometimes, but occasionally, the translator would say, I don't know that word. And I'm like, okay, so I try to find something else to tell them. And then say, I'm sorry, I don't know that word. So we have to back up and regroup into a whole new sentence, you know. But, uh, but that's part of it. And the fact of it is, yeah, there's a little bit lost in translation, but God still blesses his word, no matter whether it's through a translator or whether it's through direct uh, contact. So uh, and it made me feel real good because one of the trips we made, Eddie told me, he said, I'm going to send you to this church. And I said, that's fine. I said, you know, you can send me wherever you want to go. And he said, no, I don't have any choice. I said, why? He said, they requested you. I said, the church in Ecuador requested me? He said, yeah. I said, why? He said, all I know is they told me you understand them, and they requested you. And I'm thinking, I don't speak a word of Spanish, one or two, and that's it. But it was a totally different setting and a different situation. And uh, bottom line was, some of our, our, our preachers had trouble with, with charismatic folks, and I don't. So <laughs> I kind of consider myself as one sometimes. So... Now that was the bottom line. But anyway, another story. So, so let me just, just share this with you. We have those feelings of inadequacy. As human beings, we're going to have them. It's part of our nature, I think. And, and part of it is maybe legitimate. But the fact is this. What's the real question? You know, when we're called to do a task, and, and uh, you know, y'all all know me well enough for that, but you know I just pick on anybody just out of the blue out of a sermon sometimes. Uh, so, you know... I've been writing, I've been talking quite a bit in the last several months about different things and started that new job and, uh, and when we were talking about it, he was talking about that new job and told us it had three or four different options at the time actually and, and chose this one and, and, and one of the things you said to me, you may not remember this, one of the things Ryan said to me was he said, I think it's a challenge and I like a challenge and uh, that's challenging isn't it? <laughs> absolutely so here's, here's the thing, we need to think about this, what is the real question the real question is not whether, whether or not we are sufficient for the task. It's not whether or not I have the abilities. If God chose me for the task, I don't have to worry about the abilities because it's his abilities and not mine. So what's the real question? The real question is how will we respond to the challenge? Well, I respond by, by doing a couple, you know, there's a couple of different things. We're going to look at them. Uh, one is that we sometimes look at it and we say, well, you know, I just can't do that. And, and we make a thousand excuses and we back up. I want us to look at Scripture and see a few things that the, uh, that the Israelites did. How, how do we respond to the challenge when we're given a challenge like they were? 
Now, I want you to get the setting in mind. They're in Israel. I mean, they're in Egypt, and they're in bondage, and they want to be free. They're being told now in Egypt that they can't worship. They can't worship God like they want to, and they can't do this, do that. So they want to be free. And they continually pray, and God says, okay, I'm going to set my people free. So you know all the plagues. He went through with Pharaoh, let the people go, and, and when they get going, they're, they're going along the way, and the murmuring started pretty quickly thereafter. But God decides to set them free. He says, I'm going to give you a land. He's made this promise way back to Abraham, a land that's spoiled with milk and honey, right? And it's a land that, uh, you know, there'll be a blessing to you. All these things he promised Abraham. So here's the land that he's got set before them. And, and have you ever wondered why it took them 40 years to get there? Did you think about that? It was 11 days, maybe 12 days journey from Egypt to the promised land. You believe that? It was. Maybe a 12-day journey. Okay? And it took them 40 years to get there. Now think about that. I want you to just let that soak in a little bit. Let that marinate with you, okay? 11 days, 12 days at the most, and it took them 40 years. And there's a very specific reason why. When this chapter was written, Moses is writing this, and he's speaking about it, and they're, they're right at the brink of the promised land. They sent these, these men in to, to check it out. God said, it's your land. Go in. I give it to you. This is your land. I'll, I'll give it to you. And so they sent some spies in. That wasn't what God told them to do. It's what they chose to do. It was their decision to select the 12 men, the one from each tribe, and so, actually, they made the suggestion to Moses, we need to send some men in and let them check this land out and let's see what we're going to be up against and what we're going to face as we go into that. We want to know. We don't want to go in blindly. So Moses made the decision, okay, I'll take one from each tribe. We'll have 12 men. They'll go in, and that way we have a good diversity. You know, that's one of the things now. We've got to have a good diversity. They have a good diversity, and we'll go in, and they'll make a decision, and they'll come back, and, and they'll see what's there, and they'll come back and tell us, and then we'll make a decision how we're going to proceed. And I think Moses' intentions were good. I think his heart was in the right place. He wanted the people to be reassured that God was going to give them the land. He had already given them the land, by the way. God already promised it to them. So they go in, they come back, and two of those men, Joshua and Caleb, were the only two that said, it's a good land, and it's our land, and let's go get it. And the other ten were saying, oh, those people are giants. The sons of the Anakims are there. You know, and, and they're bigger than us. Their cities are walled, and they're they're just everything was just so big and so big and so big. And, and I tell you what, the thought I had as I was reading this, I could imagine a little child telling this story, and they were talking about how big those cities really were. Any of you remember when you were children and how big things seemed to be? And then when you got to be an adult, you're like, "What's well, really not that big after all?" Anybody ever have that thought besides me? Maybe it's just me. Okay, I just want to go with you now. You know? uh, but here's the thing. In this passage, the Israelites stood right at the very edge of the promised land. All they had to do was go in and take it. They were told, this land is yours. It's yours. And what did they do? Look, if you will, in verse 26. In verse 26, he says, notwithstanding, you would not go up, but you rebel against the commandment of the Lord your God. Verse 25 ends with this statement. It is a good land which the Lord our God doth give us. 
A very literal translation of that, of that sentence says, it is a good land which the Lord our God has given us. It's, it's past tense, guys. It wasn't written to say he's going to give it to us. He's already done it. He's already done it. Let me tell you something. I, I'm going to throw this in just for what it's worth. And that's this. Many of us speak of our salvation as one day when I get eternal life, if you're born again, you have eternal life. It's already been given to you. Right? Let me tell you something else. If you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, eternal life has still been given to you. You just have to claim it. It's been paid for. It's been bought and paid for. But verse 26, they rebelled against God's commandment. His commandment was go in and occupy the land. Go in and possess it. And verse 27 says, And ye murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us. You murmured. So not only did you rebel against God, you murmured against God. And, and do you find any significance about the fact he says you murmured in your tents? I think Moses is pointing out the fact you weren't bold enough to say to me, this is going to happen. You went in your tents and you talked about this. And you, you talked to your wives and you said, and you got to remember, in the tents, it was the families, right? So he goes into his family and says, you know, I just want you to know I'm not afraid to go in. It's just that, you know, there's so much against us. There's so much bigger than us. There's so much more powerful than us. And they go, all these excuses. And they're trying to convince themselves that they're justified in not going is what they're doing. They murmured in their tents and also in verse 27 they accuse God of bringing them out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. Once again they make that accusation. Remember they made it at the Red Sea? When they got ready to cross it? What did they do? They, oh, they murmured. Oh, you brother, it'd be better to die in Egypt than to die here in the hand of Pharaoh. Guys, I want you to know something. If it is, if it is given by God, if it's directed by God, it's something you'll die for. It's something you'll die for. So I'm telling you, when those, when those Israelites came to that Red Sea and they looked at Moses and said it would have been better to have died in the wilderness, I mean, to have died in Egypt than to die out here at the hand of Pharaoh's army, they were not willing to make the sacrifice. You know what they wanted? They wanted comfort. They wanted their own way. They wanted everything given to them and then not have to put forth any effort. Man, it sounds so much like 2020. Sounds like a modern day episode of something I'm just telling. They accused God of bring them out into Egypt to die. If it is a conviction, you'll die for it. Uh, and then in verse 28, uh, he says this, whether we shall go up, brethren, or, and, and have discouraged our hearts, saying the people is greater and taller than we, the cities are greater and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakins there. So see, in verse 28, they're, they're also convincing themselves that they could not take it. They could not take the land. They're walled up to heaven. That's a big wall. Remember somebody tried to build a tower up to heaven and what happened? <laughs> God struck it down, right? And they just seemed to, to fail to remember who God is and what he had done for them and all the things they'd just gone through and just seen. The, the size and strength of the enemy was, in contrast to the Israelites, it was astronomical. Absolutely. Absolutely. It would be the, the equivalent probably of, of, of the Baltimore Police Department standing against the 
the entire Tennessee National Guard or perhaps the entire United States big army. I don't know, that kind of contrast. But I'm telling you, when God has delivered it into your hand, you trust the Lord. You trust Him. Trust Him and not yourself. See, here's the problem. They did not trust the Lord's promise. Okay? They did not trust His promise. And His promise was what? What did I read to you all ago? Uh, it is a good land which the Lord our God hath given us. It's a good land. He's given it to us. Let's go get it. Let's go home. Yeah. Is basically what they're saying. They just didn't trust his promise. They, they refused to go in and they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness before they could go into the promised land. 40 years. And not only that, the Lord told them that those who doubted would never see the promised land. And then he told Moses, he said, you're not going to see it either, but Joshua will see it. And uh, I'm going I'm to let him go in in your place, Moses. And that's what, exactly what happened. So I want to bring all that back to today. Much like the children of Israel, uh, when God calls on us to do something, sometimes we, uh, we become uh, fearful. We get afraid. We're scared. I just don't think I can do that. I don't think I can handle that. We, we let that fear begin to move in. And I love that song on the radio. Fear, you are a liar. I mean, that's what it says. I, love, I like that song. You are a liar, fear, because I have nothing to fear. Who was it? One of our great statesmen said we have nothing to fear but fear itself. We become fearful. We, we talk ourselves down. We, we begin to say, well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how to do this. And I don't know. I can't do this. I don't have any training in that. And we just go through a million excuses sometimes. We go over and over and over and over in our mind about it. And guys, all we're doing is letting Satan speak his mind in us. And we need to refute him and, and press forward. And here's the key. We expect to fail. Sometimes we, we go into it, but we expect to fail. I, I, you know, I'll try, but I don't want to fail because I don't have any ability. I'm not able to do that. I don't know how to do that. Who I'm just telling you right now. I wish I had this. I wish Lord had given me this sermon about a year ago before I started that new computer program with my job. I might have had a better attitude about it. <laughs> but guys, I'm just telling you, we expect to fail. The obstacles grow in our mind. It doesn't change physically, but mentally and emotionally, it's going from here to here to here to here to here, and it just keeps getting bigger. You know why that happens? Because Satan wants us to fail. And he wants us to expect to fail. He wants us to, you know, to, to be torn down. It grows in our mind and as, as the obstacle grows, our strength diminishes. It gets weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. Now, then, let me tell you this, and, and, and I'll, I'll come back to it again in a minute, I hope, if I don't forget. But that's this. In and of ourselves, we cannot do it. So we can't be running on our own head steam. We can't be, you know, running uh, on what I'm capable of doing or what I'm able to do. Uh, I'm, I'm always there with those people who are me, 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 my, 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 I, 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 Because I know they're destined to fail somewhere because they're putting their faith in the wrong place. So the obstacle grows, our strength diminishes, we run from the challenge, and we, we say that we're running towards safety. We're going to run from the challenge and run towards safety. But when we run, actually running from the challenge doesn't give us safety. It puts us in bondage. You know, they were in bondage in Egypt. They didn't like it. So now they're in bondage in the wilderness. They don't like it. So there's, there's a pattern going on here. What do we need to do? We need to trust the Lord. Trust God and obey Him. Be obedient to His commandments and follow Him. 
faith will set us on the path that God has planned for our lives. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt, God has a plan for every single one of us. Now, I can't tell you what that plan is for your life. I can't tell you what that plan is for my life. I know all of them. I know what part of it is. Uh, and he reveals things to me along the way. And as he does, I have to be obedient and respond positively toward him. Respond in yes, Lord, I'll be obedient to you and I'll follow you. And yes, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do that. You see, faith will, will set us on the path that God has planned for us. And when God calls you to an assignment or a task that is beyond your abilities, just strap her down and hold on. Because God seeks to show you some things. And he seeks to teach you some things. He seeks to train you for some things. And, and I'm telling you, you're fixing to have blessings beyond measure. Oh, yeah, there are going to be obstacles. There are going to be hurdles to cross. There are going to be uh, work to be done. But it's going to be joyous because we're working in the hands of the Lord, walking by faith. Remember I said a while ago that uh, they didn't have blind faith? We didn't have blind faith sometimes. You know, God said, he didn't tell them to go in there and spy that man. Since he's spying, he didn't check it out and see what you need to do. God said, follow me. Let's go. Let's go in. Let's go. I will lead you there. I will lead you there. Well, they did. So they disobeyed. And one of four years will finally got there, but none of them got to see the promised land. None of those except Joshua and Caleb of that generation. So when God calls us to that assignment that's beyond our abilities, rely on what you know about God and His promises. Do not rely on yourself. Now, that's where we fail more than anything else, is we rely on self. No, nope, I'm not able, I'm not capable, but God is, and I'll trust Him. I tell people all the time, if there's something you need, just let me know. But if we can't do it, we'll try to find somebody that can, because our God is able. He is able. He is able. So what we need to do, like I said, is rely on what we know about God and what we know about His promises. What are His promises? And you, you read my mind, and then yes and amen. Somewhere in the back of my mind, I was thinking, well, we'll sing that song this morning. His promises are yes and amen. Yes and amen. You know what amen means? I agree. His promises are yes, I will do it, and we should agree with his promises and go forward. God will always empower you for the work he has called you or wants to accomplish in you and through you. He will always empower you for that. You know, Sometimes I, I, I start into things and, and I do fail. But I recognize something a lot of times too. I started into something without God leading me into something. We need to follow his leadership and be obedient to him. And I'm going to close with this verse of scripture. It's another verse I want you to just make a note of and, and memorize if you don't know it already. Very simple verse. Philippians 4.13. The verse says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In and of myself, I can do nothing. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when we have those challenges, and we have those um, occurrences, those obstacles, whatever we have in life, that they just throw up the red flags and we're like, man, I just can't do this. I can't accomplish it. I don't have the ability. I don't have the skills. God, I know. I feel like that's what you want me to do. But boy, I'm not able. I'm not capable. You know what God says when we come to that? You're right. You're not capable, but I am. I am that I am, right? I am. So put our faith and trust in Him and move forward with the Lord and be obedient to Him and follow His commands. Man, 
I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I think this is one of the passages of Scripture where God was looking angry with his people. Because he told them, it's a good land which the Lord our God has given us. That's what the spies told us. He's given it to us already. But then he said, you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. You murmured. And God said, not one of you will go in except those who were, who were did not know the good from evil. They know right from wrong. They're not those little children. They grew up to be adults. They're the ones that got to see the promised land. Tony and I were talking earlier this morning, and I see this happening in our, in our land. I see it happening in our county. Uh, you know, we're the young people. You know, I'm so thankful. I, I see the young folks here this morning. I'm so thankful for you guys. I'm just telling you. Uh, you know, I, I, I wondered if I would ever be at that point where I, I considered myself an older part of the church, but I'm definitely there. And, you know, we, we were talking about ministry. What's going to happen to ministry down the road? Because a lot of young people are not involved in church anymore. They're not involved in ministries anymore. So what's going to happen? You want me to tell you something? This is, what I, this is one of the things I think. I really do. I think our country is, is falling apart so much and going so fast, going so fast because we've gotten away from the church so far. And we've gotten away from God. And we, you know, we've just decided, well, God's okay for some people, but it's not okay for me. I think we, as the church, have lost our, our zeal of going out and spreading the gospel to others and, and getting across the message of how important the gospel is and how important serving God is in our lives and how important of a role the church plays in the community. Guys, that's very evident when you have lawmakers that are, that are saying, hey, churches are not necessities, but spiritual thought. I mean, have we not lost our priorities? Have we not lost our zeal? I, I, I'm telling you, if the, if, the, uh, if the church is not a necessity, then we're in a destitute situation in our country. Destitute situation. And guys, I, I don't care what the party is, that's, that's irrelevant. The fact is that we need to know that we know, that we know that we know that Jesus Christ is Lord. We need to know that we serve a true and Christian Savior. We need to know that God is still on the throne and that he is, it is imperative for us to have him in our lives. You know, I, I read history and I, I sometimes see where it's almost as if those, those uh, great Christian leaders of old were persecuted the most. And so that could be discouraging. You could say, man, I don't want to go through what they went through. But let me tell you something. They were the ones that forged the way for us to have the freedom to worship. And for us to have the, the, the word that we have today, that we can have a Bible and, and have it abundantly. And we can read it any time that we want to. And if we're not willing to pay the price, we're probably going to lose that. We're going to lose it. And it's happening very, very rapidly. Uh, I, I'm concerned about what the face of our country is going to look like in, in 10 years. And especially in 20 years. You know, I don't know if I'll live to see it in 20 years, but I, I, just, I shudder to think what it's going to look like. And the things that our children and grandchildren are going to have to endure. Guys, we need to get set, and we need to get set on the gospel of Jesus Christ. First, as Janine uh, said in a prayer earlier, we need to know that we know that Jesus Christ is our Savior, that we trust in Him, put our faith and trust in Him. And then as believers, we need to live out that faith. Uh, there's a, an old uh, Southern Gospel song that I used to hear, living by faith, trusting in God's love, trusting in His Word, 
I'm just telling you, I don't see a whole lot of living by faith going on in the churches anymore. I don't see a whole lot of living by faith going on in our country anywhere anymore. If it's not happening in the churches, it isn't going to happen anywhere else. Guys, God has chosen us. He has chosen us to be those people who share the good news and we share it everywhere we go, not just in the four walls of this building. Not just within these four walls, we have to share it everywhere we go. I was dreaming the other night, I guess. I don't remember if I was dreaming or if it was just daydreaming. I don't know. But I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how that we went to the Soviet Union and we were passing out Bibles. They were just New Testaments, by the way, but they were excited, so excited to have their own copy of the Bible. And I remember one of those ladies talking about how her grandmother used to read to them from the Bible and also sharing that how the Bibles were taken away. And, and, and I read stories of Brother Andrew and some of those who smoke Bibles into those countries and, and how they'll, they'll take one of those brand new Bibles that they give them and they open it up and they begin to take the pages out one at a time and pass it out and give it to someone. And they swap those pages occasionally so they can read it in a page. But can you imagine being so hungry for the Word of God that you want just one page? It's like a, a treasure to you. I wonder how many of our how many of our Bibles are collecting dust. And you know, I, I looked this morning and thought, man, the back's getting a little thin on my Bible. I got very excited. <laughs> back's getting a little thin. I must use it sometimes at least. Guys, listen, we, we need to we need to cherish that word of God. And, and the scripture says that we should hide his word in our heart. Why? Because they cannot take that away from us. They cannot take it away from us. We need to know. What thus said the word of the Lord? I don't expect you to memorize every word and to know everything. I certainly don't memorize every word and don't know everything that's in there. But I know this. I know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. He died to set us free from sin. I know that if we live by faith, then we're going to follow him. We're going to follow his commandments. We're going to obedience to him. And, and hey, yes, there are going to be people that are persecuted for us. Yes, there are going to be people who will talk down about us for us. There are going to be those who disagree with us. There are going to be those who say we're dead wrong. But when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what the world says because we have him. We have him. And more importantly, he has us. He has us. So I want you to know this one if you know Christ. And I want you to, to feel confident uh, that, that you can do the task at hand because he has chosen you for that task. He is your strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what I want you to remember today. You don't remember anything else. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Put your faith and trust in him and trust him every step of the way. We're going to have time of invitation. I pray you just be obedient to the Holy Spirit this morning is that God has his way in your life, whatever. He's hoping uh, you to do it. You'll be obedient to him.